thankful that you're here today. I'm thankful that you're joining us online. And, and today's a day we're doing something we've never done before because um, we are, on both of our campuses, we are going to hear this message from my friend, Reverend Anthony Scott, uh, who's the pastor at First Baptist North Tulsa. And uh, one of the... Um, one of the greatest leaders we have in our city. And, and, and Kelly, Anthony, I'm so glad you all are here. Welcome. Welcome to our church. And, um, and so Calvary, we're so glad you are uh, getting to hear this as well, uh, hear Brother Anthony. And, and this is a, a day that we don't normally... Uh, have Calvary watch a video because we are passionate about the live preaching of, of the word. But today, this is so important. Uh, I think that um, we need to all hear this. Now, I made a claim a couple of weeks ago, and, um, and the claim is, is big. It's a big claim, but it's one I absolutely believe. And it's that it's, it's, it's the message that we've been given as the church is, is, the, is, the, is the only hope for the world. The mission and the message that we have, that's the only hope for the world. And it's not the uh, professional athlete's responsibility to proclaim the message of hope. It's not uh, political figure, figures that are, that are charged with proclaiming the message of hope. It's, it's, it's the church that has been given this charge to proclaim the message of hope. And, and it's the only message that will last through the end of time. And, and, and when I think about this, um, the unity of the church and the, and the eradication of racism in our own hearts, you and I have the responsibility of dealing with that in our own hearts first. Because as believers, we've come to recognize that we first get the log out of our own eye before we look at a speck in a brother's eye right? We're called to that as believers. Now, you may not be a believer today in this room, and, and we, we, are, we welcome you here. But, but I am grateful to hear this message today on the unity of the church from my really good friend, Reverend Anthony Scott. Would you please join us? Thank you so much for being here. Good morning. I'm certainly happy to be here with First Church and then also to those at the Calvary campus. Uh, to my friend uh, Chris, I want to thank him, he and my wife. I want to thank him for uh, having us here, for you uh, having us. Uh, it's certainly a wonderful honor and privilege uh, to be here. Uh, God is certainly good. And over the course uh, of maybe two, maybe three years, uh, he's forged a tremendous friendship uh, between your pastor and I. Uh, and I thank God for that. Uh, our wives are becoming good friends as well. Uh, and we just want to demonstrate the love of God, uh, not only to this church, but to our church uh, and all churches around the world. Amen? Amen. I want to thank Chris for letting me be the leadoff hitter. Uh, all I've got to do is get on base, maybe steal a base, and then he'll be with us next week uh, to, to bring me on home, all right? Uh, but we're certainly happy to, uh, to be here. I have a word for you today. Uh, coming from John chapter 17. Before I do that, I just want to offer a whisper word of prayer. God, we thank you for your word. Uh, thank you, God, that we are born again, not of corruptible seed, but by the incorruptible word of God. 
God, we thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. God, we pray uh, your dynamic power and blessing uh, upon this word that is shared. Uh, God, use me uh, certainly as your servant. Bless the hearts uh, and minds and wills of your people on both campuses uh, to be receptive of a word that comes from you. God, we need to hear from you. Our churches need to hear from you. Our communities, our nation, our world needs to hear from you. Father, we thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, again, I want to invite you to join me in uh, John, the, uh, the 17th chapter. Uh, I'm going to read for us verses 13 uh, through 21. The apostle says, but now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Uh, John says, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to give them, keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. Verse 20 and 21. Christ prays, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Uh, okay, I want to talk about Christ's vision for the church. Christ's vision for the church. John White, uh, InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, you may or may not be uh, familiar with him, prolific uh, writer. Uh, he says this, and I quote, he says, considering uh, all of the divisions that have plagued Christendom over 2,000 years, it is amazing that God has continued to use the church to extend the kingdom. And one of the things that I discover is that the church has a very difficult time dealing with its spots and blemishes. Uh, Christ says that he's coming back for a church without spots and blemishes. So it stands to reason that, that, that while we are yet being sanctified and made more in the image of Christ, that we have some spots and blemishes, right? Uh, and so what we need to understand is, uh, or be rejoicing in the fact that Christ continues to use us uh, as, as light in a dark world, as the salt of the earth, even with all of our spots and blemishes. The late J.I. Packer passed away, uh, I believe, the early part of this year. Uh, one of my favorite writers, uh, he was doing a study uh, on denominationalism. And one of the things that struck me uh, is he made mention of the fact that Jamaica uh, is a very small country of only 2.7 million people. But yet, amongst those 2.7 million people, Jamaica has 300 Christian denominations. Now, that may sound good, but it shows there's a great deal uh, of division, right? Uh, that we don't always uh, live up 
to being unified like Christ prayed uh, in John chapter 17. So that means we've got some work to do. But not only does the body of Christ have work to do, we know that our nation uh, has some work to do. Uh, the intent of this great uh, American experiment and with everything that is going on in our land, we live in the greatest country in the world, right? Uh, the fact is, uh, many folks, they leave one church and go to another looking for utopia, and they discover that there are problems over there just like there are over here, right? Well, this is the greatest country in the world. We may have our problems, but this is the place I'd rather be than be anywhere else. The intent of the American experiment was to bring people from all walks of life under one banner. But unfortunately, the attempt to bring diverse groups of people together, pledging allegiance to a single flag, has also become divisive. We are polarized politically, ideologically, racially, and even more problematic, we are divided in the body of Christ. I know many of us, I am an avid sports fan. I know uh, your pastor is an avid sports fan. We were certainly glad uh, to see NCAA football come back. I am an OU fan. I I didn't pay for the pay-per-view last night because I figured uh, that the score would probably be 60 to nothing. It was 48 to nothing, so I wasn't going to pay $60 to see a blowout, right? But we're glad to see it back. But when we think about the game of football, we must understand there are 11 players on offense, 11 on defense. They all play different positions. Quarterbacks, defensive backs, linebackers, defensive linemen, offensive linemen, wide receivers. They all play different positions, but they have the same goal. And so what we need to understand within the body of Christ, God has given us all different gifts. He has brought us together as racially diverse individuals into the body of Christ. Uh, I believe uh, it was Peter the Apostle says that we ought to praise and thank God that he called all of us out of darkness into the marvelous light. So we need to understand that God is actually the author of the greatest experiment, and that is bringing people from diverse backgrounds and races together in this great organism that we call the church and that Christ died for. And because Christ died and purchased the church with his own blood, it stands to reason that we ought to follow his vision for the church. But not only in the game of football, uh, many of you may be music enthusiasts. You may like the orchestra, the symphony. I, symphony. Uh, and I know uh, that many of the performing arts centers are closed, maybe haven't opened back up. But one of the things that we know about the symphony, the orchestra, or even uh, your praise band this morning, they all had different instruments, but they were all playing the same song. So there's nothing wrong with us being different. The problem is we've all got to find out what, it, what the common purpose and the common goal is that Christ has for us. Uh, one of the fundamental premises of the Protestant Reformation was that the church that they knew was not what it was supposed to be. It's okay to deal or understand the fact that the church is not what she ought to be. But we thank God as we look back that we've made some progress, but we've got a whole lot more progress that we need to make. So just what is the church and what should the church be doing? John 
chapter 17 actually comes on the heels of Christ uh, giving what is called an upper room discourse. This discourse begins in John chapter 13. Uh, it concludes in the 17th chapter. In the 13th chapter, you know Jesus uh, is having uh, the Lord's Supper in the upper room with the disciples. And John uh, focuses on uh, Jesus being a servant. When he takes the towel, he begins to wash the feet. So we see uh, that when it comes to us uh, as a body of believers, that we must be servants to one another. But then uh, we notice in chapters 14, 15, and 16, there is a great deal of emphasis on the promise of the Holy Spirit. And Christ is wanting us to understand uh, that the only one that can unify us is the Spirit of God. So much, in fact, uh, that in the 15th chapter of John, when Jesus uh, gives the parable of the vine, uh, he says in that 15th chapter, verse 5, he says, I am the vine. He says that you must abide in me because unless you abide in me, you can do nothing. Uh, Pastor Chris mentioned that our nation is dealing uh, with racial unrest. We are dealing with uh, political polarization. We are dealing with hostility. Hostility, uh, and the world cannot fix what's broke because the world broke it. But guess what? The good news is that God placed you and I here that we might be his eyes, we might be his hands, we might be his heart so that we might go out into a world that's broken and offer them the only remedy for what ails them. And so uh, I don't see this as a hopeless challenge. I see this as great promise for the church. And we've simply got to stand out and do what Christ has called us to do. Which leads us to the 17th chapter. Uh, and I read verses 13 through 21. Uh, and I want to share uh, just a few scrambled points uh, on today. Point number one, we find in verse 13, Christ's vision for the church is this. Point one, that there would be joy in relationship to self. Joy uh, in relationship to self. You'll know in verse 13, he says, But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. Guess what? Uh, before you can fix a broken world, you've got to be fixed yourself. Uh, before uh, you can be happy getting along with someone else, uh, you've got to be happy uh, with yourself. Before you're not intimidated by someone who is maybe different from you or uh, afraid of someone who's different from you, you've got to have joy within yourself. In other words, you need to first of all have peace with God. And I thank God that I have peace with God that comes through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. But there are so many in our world who are not at peace with themselves because they're not at peace with God which reminds us that the joy of being reconciled to God is a foundation for being reconciled to others. The only way we can live up to Christ's great command to love God and to love our neighbor as ourself is for us to be reconciled to God first. And then once we realize that we have been unconditionally loved by God, uh, it makes it very easy, or it should, for us to unconditionally love others other people. I love Paul, uh, what he says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, that God did not love us when we were very lovable. He didn't love us when we were at our best. The good news is Christ 
died and loved us and demonstrated his love when we were at our worst. There is no greater time for the church to demonstrate the love of God in a sin-sick world than for us to love the world at its worst and demonstrate the love of Christ. So, there must be joy in relationship to self. But then, secondly, we see uh, there must be holiness in relationship to God. We see uh, in verses 15 and 16, Christ says, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to get, keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not in the world. Holiness in relationship to God. The preamble to the United States Constitution, very uh, vital and important document, but there uh, in the first couple of sentences of the Constitution, it makes a statement. Uh, it says that, that we came together in order to form a more perfect union. The founding fathers of this nation knew that we were not perfect when we started. They knew we would not be perfect a uh, hundred years later, but this would serve as a foundational document to help us move towards a more perfect union. Guess what? Uh, the Bible is the foundational document for the body of Christ. And Christ, when he saved and redeemed us, I know the Bible says if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creature. Old things have passed away and all things become new. But guess what? Uh, I've been saved for a long time, but I still have some areas of my life that Christ has to work on, right? And I thank God that he is still yet sanctifying us as individuals. And he is also sanctifying his church. Romans uh, chapter 8, uh, that great chapter in Paul's letter, uh, in chapter 8, uh, it begins by talking about how there is therefore uh, no condemnation in those who are in Christ Jesus. But then Paul goes on to say in verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. We often stop there, but verse 29 says that God works out all of our imperfections. He takes all the good and the bad, and this is the good purpose he works it out for. Verse 29, that, that he might create or that he might sanctify or that he might make us in the image of his son. And guess what? We won't completely be like him until we see him. So that's the goal of sanctification. It requires purity of soul, getting rid of those things that stand between brothers and sisters in Christ. Then thirdly, point number three, there must be truth in relationship to the Bible. Uh, verse 17 says that we are sanctified by the truth or uh, the Word of God. Why do we need to be sanctified? Unity is weakened and shattered in the midst of suffering and loss of hope. We right now live in a nation. We live in communities uh, because of COVID-19, uh, because of economic loss, uh, because of so much uncertainty. People are suffering, and when people are suffering, they lose hope. And when they lose hope, we wind up seeing that our society and our communities become fragmented. That's why it's vitally important right now that you and I, as a body of believers, share the good news of the Lord to a lost and dying world. But here's something else we need to do. 
And many of you and many of us may be struggling with this. Uh, One of the problems in dealing with racism is that we've made racism worse than sin. We have made racism worse than sin. So much so that individuals would rather confess that they are a sinner as opposed to confess that they are racist. Because we have made racism the unpardonable sin. But guess what? God forgives all sin, right? And we've got to categorize things just as they are. Guess what? I have sinned. But I thank God that I'm able to confess my sin, and he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. And so we've got to unmask racism. And when I say unmask, we've got to let the world know that it's a sin just like any other sin, but the gospel is able to eradicate, the gospel is able to deliver and save us from all sin, and we need not be ashamed to confess whatever our sin is. The Bible has something to say about sin, and God has a remedy for all sin. Listen, we are all going in the same direction, pursuing the same goals, but John or Jesus says that it requires obedience to the truth, God's standard of what it means to be Christian. But then in verse number 18, uh, we see there must be mission. Uh, in relationship to the world. It says, as you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. I was listening uh, to your promotional video when you're talking about compassion. Uh, We had a Compassion Sunday at our church, uh, and it's amazing how God works. Uh, I went on a mission trip uh, to Bogota and Cartagena, Colombia, and as I was getting dressed this morning, Chris, I don't know why the Lord led me to do this, but these bracelets were made for me uh, by some teenagers in Colombia. Uh, these are the colors uh, of Colombia. This is the Colombian flag. And for some reason, I decided to wear it today. And I'll, often, I'll even share this. One little boy asked me something about myself. I told him I was a grandfather. So he made a little uh, bottle in the middle. You probably can't see it, but a little bottle in the middle of the, uh, of the bracelet. The fact of the matter is, we were taking the gospel around the world building bridges, because God wants us to be one so that we can demonstrate a unifying gospel to a world that is so divided. We must be mission-minded in relation to the world in order to fulfill Christ's commission to go into all the world, making disciples of all nations. The church has to be one. Paul uh, makes an appeal in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 through 21. I won't read it all, but Paul says that because we uh, have been reconciled to God through Christ, we are ambassadors of reconciliation, which means when we see uh, individuals not simply in the body of Christ, but even outside of the body of Christ, uh, not getting along with one another, we have a mandate, we have a responsibility uh, to be reconcilers, not one, uh, not individuals who polarize Uh, other persons. Christ ends here uh, in verses 20 and 21 uh, by saying, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, 
so that the world may believe that you sent me. My friends, we, we have a common faith, and we have a number of reasons for pulling together. Uh, we need to pull together because we are children of the same Heavenly Father. Amen? Uh, we, we have reasons for pulling together. We are all born again uh, of the same blood. We are all uh, children of the Most High God. We are all redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, and that is a reason for you and I to pull together. But we also ought to pull together because we should be taking instruction from the same source. And that, my friends, is the Word of God, the living and abiding Word of God. And guess what? Uh, it says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 that the Word of God that is living and abiding, it may cut going in, it may cut going out, but guess what? The spiritual surgery that God does will make us much better than we were before. And guess what? Uh, when God does spiritual surgery, He also gives us a spiritual anesthetic that makes us understand that because of his grace, when the word of God cuts, it doesn't cut or hurt as much as we thought it would cut because Christ took the full blunt of the cutting for us on the cross. But guess what? It doesn't matter what race we are. It doesn't matter whether we are male or female. We all struggle with the same struggles in this world. So much so if you back up from John chapter 17. In John 16 and 33, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've already overcome the world. He's already overcome political strife. He's already overcome racism. We simply got to be steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. We got to come together because we should be focused uh, on the same goal. Uh, one of the things that I noticed, and I'm not tech savvy, but I know how to push a couple of buttons, right? And, and, and on my laptop, every now and then, I'll have an email come in from someone that maybe I don't know or maybe I'm not familiar with. Uh, and before I open that particular email, I'll get an alert or a warning. Uh, it says, enable. And at the very bottom, it says that this message is coming from someone that you may not know. And because you may not know them, I want to give you the opportunity to either block or allow. What I discover in our world is that if we are left up to our own human flesh, when it comes to intermingling with people who don't look like us, when it comes to uh, making friends with persons who don't look like us, if it's left purely up to us, we will always hit block and we won't hit allow. But the good news is that we don't aren't the ones who hit the enable button. It is Christ who hit the button on the cross. And when we come to Christ, Christ takes away everything that blocks us. We discover in Ephesians chapter 2 that Jew and Gentile wanted to hit block, but Christ did not allow them to hit block. He said, you've been brought nigh by the blood of Christ. When Christ died on the cross, 
He gave us the power and the ability to allow different people into our life. He gave us the power and the ability to get along with one another even when we are disagreeable. And I'm so thankful today that that same blood has the power to redeem has the power to restore, and has the power to save. Christ, my friends, in his finished work on the cross, enabled the church and gave us the supernatural capacity to love one another, just as Christ loved the church. My friends, Christ has a vision, and we simply got to be obedient to Christ's vision for the church, and it will make this world such a better place. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, God, for the grace that you've given. God, we know that as we abide in you, we can do all things. God, we know that so many things we see in our world uh, may be, seem impossible to men, but they are never impossible to God. So God, we put our full trust in you. Use us as your hands, your eyes, your feet, and your heart, that we might make this world be a demonstration of the love that you showed us on the cross, that unconditional love. God, we pray that your word has been planted on fertile soil and might bless and enrich uh, those who are listening here in person and those who are viewing virtually. In Jesus' wonderful and mighty name we pray, amen.